Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast, the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into an automated sales machine with the latest marketing, email, sales, and social media advice, strategies, and tips from experts without the fluff. Your host, Caroline Balinska, the founder of JustAskParker.com, the only small marketing task agency for Shopify owners. With over 10 years experience in marketing, manufacturing, design, and e-commerce, she shares her knowledge and interviews the experts to help you in your journey to success. Now, here's your host, Caroline Balinska. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to remind you, head over to justaskparker.com forward slash summit and sign up for our summit. It's completely free. It's a three-day event with over 15 guest speakers all talking about different aspects of working with influencers. This is the Social Media Influencer Marketing Summit for Shopify merchants, and every single speaker will be giving you a different aspect, a different insight into working with influencers. So if you're looking at ways to get more sales in your business, then this is a not-to-be-missed event. Sign up now, access is free, and don't miss out on the summit. Hi everyone, welcome to the show today. I'm super excited. We have something a little bit different today. Today we're talking about conversion rate optimization, also known as CRO, for all those people that know the technical stuff about it. But if you don't, it's conversion rate optimization. And we're also talking about mistakes that merchants make when they are setting up and running their Shopify store. I'm super excited today because I actually have Kurt Elster on the line. Kurt, if you do not know about him, he actually hosts the podcast, which is called the Unofficial Shopify Podcast. So I'm really excited to have a fellow podcaster here with me today. And he is also the founder of the e-commerce agency EtherCycle. And he's one of the most highly regarded independent consultants in the industry. He is a senior e-commerce consultant who helps Shopify store owners uncover hidden profits in their websites. So let's get straight into it. Let's meet Kurt and find out what he's here to tell us today. So Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My, my pleasure and honor. Oh, wonderful. Thanks so much for being here. I'm really excited. We have got quite a few questions we want to get through today. I know that you have done many, many episodes of your podcast, so you have heard from every single side of Shopify. And I guess that there are a million questions I can ask you today, but we have to keep it to some sort of time limit where people can get through the show sort of in one sitting. So Today, I'm going to ask you some questions, like I said, around conversion rate optimization and mistakes that merchants make, because we both know that this is an area that a lot of people need to know about before they make the mistakes themselves. So before we get into that, let us know a little bit about you and tell us about your podcast as well. So everyone listening can know about you. Sure. Uh, I'm Kurt Elster. I'm an e-commerce consultant. And 10 years ago, I quit my job as an e-commerce channel manager at a local auto parts dropshipper to go build my own e-commerce platform. All right, so it turns out I didn't know what I didn't know, and I bit off more than I could chew. So fast forward several years, and we found ourselves uh, as early early partners in the Shopify Experts program because we had built a custom theme um, on Shopify for a local bike shop that my friend owned. And in that process, we finally realized, oh my gosh, we're really good at e-commerce. Shopify is really great. Why are we messing with anything else? So about five years ago, we niched down to working exclusively 
on Shopify and specifically helping store owners make more money with their store. I say we help Shopify merchants uncover hidden profits in their stores. And I'm not like looking under the couch for the money. Um, It is about really conversion rate optimization, but that's not fun or sexy to say. Uh, So really it's looking for those speed bumps and making it as easy as possible for people to buy from your store so that they can, so that you could sell more of what you love more often to more people, right? Um, and along the way, one of the, we have had a, a, a couple core values. One is abundance mentality. I believe, you know, I, I don't have competitors. I got friends I haven't made yet. Um, and in that, that's having that, that view of the world has enabled me to teach what we know. So there's an, a, a Silicon Valley saying, well, of course, but it goes, uh, build cool shit, tell people about it. And that, that's it. That's your marketing plan. So we turned that into teaching where we, I said, let's teach what we know. And our uh, podcast is the, the end impressive result of that, the unofficial Shopify podcast. I think we're closing in on 200 episodes um, with 700,000 downloads. So very proud of that. Fantastic. And can you tell us a couple of things that you've learned over the years that, you know, you've had 10 years experience, which um, is a very long time in this industry to see many different things change over the years. So give me an idea of two or three things that you've learned over the last 10 years that you think people need to understand when they're starting out. So, uh, well, a few things. Number one, design is not nearly as important as you think it is. I have seen some incredibly objectively and subjectively ugly websites that do seven figures a year without issue. The content Amazon, Amazon is a good example. <laughs> oh yeah. Amazon itself, not particularly pretty or well-designed. It's, it, it's not even that responsive. It's not like they, there's a lot of stuff that Amazon should is quote unquote doing wrong according to design experts, mm-hmm. but they're at the top of the heap. They are training people how to shop. Right. So I have um, number one design's not important as you think it is. But usability, ease of use, and sticking to convention is what's important. So uh, you brought up Amazon. That's a good example. Amazon and the other big big stores, like in the U.S., it's Amazon, Target, Best Buy, Walmart. Walmart is, I think, number two right now. Jet, like a whole bunch of incredible online stores. Not all of them pretty, but they're teaching us how to shop. They teach people what to expect. They're setting those expectations. So you should stick to those conventions. If someone lands on your site, the chances are they're not going to sit around and figure out how to use your site. So staying away from fancy and pretty and going with what's easy and practical and conventional will actually serve you much better. Um, and building that on a, a simpler theme uh, will work, work better. Um, and I think that consistently surprises people. And uh, the other one, like marketing-wise, I think a lot of people think, oh, I got to invest in social media because it's sexy and free, and that's what we hear about. And we got to invest in SEO because Google, if I could just turn the right knobs and levers, Google will send a torrent of free qualified traffic to my site. The problem is both of those things are total gambles. So you should try it, but it by no means should be your like number one market cornerstone of your marketing plan. So those, I think those are like the three things that um, people who new, are new to it are often surprised to hear. Yes, I definitely love your point about design because I say that a lot as well. I see some people spending months trying to organize their logo and I, I'm in these entrepreneur groups and people put up six different logos. Which one do you like best? And there's like 
nothing different between them. There's like, a, you know, the writing slightly to the left or slightly to the right. And they sit there worrying about this logo. And I'm like, forget about your logo. There's a million other things you need to worry about. Get something up there and just make it happen. And those things you can sort of tweak. But I always give that example of look at Amazon. It's a terrible looking website, but people still use it. So design really isn't that important um, as people think it is. Yeah, even even that Amazon color scheme, not that oh. <laughs> it's orange and navy blue. Who combines those two for the? That's the entire site. Orange, it's like this gold, brown, and then navy blue. Oh. Yeah, it, it looks absolutely terrible. But you're right. Yeah, it's, it it still works, and people are buying from it. So it just proves that no one needs to worry that much. And I think that. People keep on hearing all these stories about branding so important. But the thing is, you're not McDonald's, yeah? Or like a client of mine at the moment, he's so obsessed with, oh, but my logo was around for so many years and people always um, knew my logo. And I go, but you're looking for new customers. So the old customers don't, they're not buying from you anyway. And the new customers don't know the logo. So what does it matter if you change it? So I think that, you know, being so stuck about branding is not as important as people think. Oh, absolutely. I would say that like a, a key business tenant that early entrepreneurs get wrong is here's, here's the rule. Three words. Don't be clever. Just like in your copywriting, in your headlines, in your, like, everything you do, don't be clever. Just, all you have to do is provide people like when they do a Google search, they're asking a question. All they want is that question answered. Well, your website should be the same thing. Your products should solve a pain or problem in that person's life or help make them a better version of themselves. But it, I should not have to figure it out around your clever marketing. Mm. You're not Nike, right? We don't need clever sayings. Well, actually, Nike, oh my gosh, just do it. It's three words. It's, mm. the, it's seven letters. It's so simple. Keep it simple. Keep, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. I think it's extremely good, good uh, marketing and design advice. No, definitely. That's great advice. So if someone came to you and they want to improve their conversions on their Shopify store, where do you suggest that they start? What are the questions that you ask? Sure. So I think the thing to realize when considering conversion rate optimization is you as the merchant spend more time on your website than literally anyone else on the planet. And so you are now blind to any issues the site had. And you have all kinds of background information in your head as to why things were set up the way they were that no one else does. So you have to look at um, how you need it, how people use the site and you need a fresh set of eyes on the site that could point out like, oh man, there's a lot of issues. So when, whenever this conversation comes up about conversion rate optimization, people show up, oh, like I want to hire you for a split testing engagement and and usability studies and conversion rate optimization and, you know, like our budget's 10 grand. You know what I start with? I record a 10 minute screencast video of me just starting at the homepage and pointing out every single weird little issue on the site and unnecessary things and confusing things. Like you just want, you want to go through the site starting at whatever the number one, maybe it's a landing page, maybe it's the homepage, wherever, you know, people are starting on the site the most. You could figure that out easily in Google Analytics and then just walk through the path, like from start to finish, buy something and write down every single weird issue that occurs on the site. It, those are all like friction points, speed bumps, confusing things, unnecessary decisions. And those will, will make your life, if you just get rid of that stuff, that makes your life easy. A lot of conversion rate optimization is, is just stripping away 
stripping stuff away will make it easier to find things. So here's an unconventional example. Let's say you sell 40 products. I bet that 80% of your revenue comes from the top 20% of your products. So why are we even selling the other ones? I think you'll find, like, start with that, rank your products. And a lot of people have plans for, here, we're going to add some products or like we're going to add new products every month or every quarter. They don't have a plan for getting rid of products. So why not, if as you're adding stuff, dump every quarter, just dump the bottom 15% of sellers. That will make the other products stand out. That's so true. I was just going through someone's website and they had so many categories and so confusing that I was just like, no one can understand exactly what's going on on this website because you just have so many things going on there that nothing's standing out. Like you say, you know, you want things to stand out. So talking about conversion rate optimization, where should people actually start? You did mention starting on the homepage or something, um, a page that they get a lot of views on, but what about the cart and the category pages? Are those ones important as well? Should they start there or should they really just start on the page where they're getting the most amount of views? Well, the, you have to view it at, think of it as a funnel. Like they're, the idea that every person is going to visit every page on your site and remember them all is, is total fallacy. So you want to look at, well, you want to concentrate your efforts and you want to figure out where the bottleneck is first. So as an example, like in Shopify or if you're on a different e-commerce platform and using Google Analytics, either way, you can figure out three simple percentages. What percent of people add to cart? So that tells us people who are able to start wherever they were find the right product for them, and then add it to cart. Oh my gosh, that's a great number to improve. So now of those, let's say um, typical, a good typical add to cart rate would be five to 10%. And so if you're like, wait, let's say you've got three, four, you know, one to 4%, that's grim, that's low. It means you have made, either you've got poor quality traffic or it's difficult to find the products on the store or there's like some incredible objection that you are not breaking. All right, so if we've got, let's say, you know, we're, we're lucky. We've got 10% of people adding to cart. Fabulous. What the next number would be, reach checkout. What percent of people go from the cart and actually get to the checkout process? They start it. It should be, I'll say, on a, a site that's unoptimized but, but otherwise professionally set up, it should be about 50%. So if 10 people add to cart, five people are going to reach checkout. Of that number, what percent then actually get through the checkout and complete a purchase. I would say, again, it, it's probably half. So two, two to 3%, 2.5%. If you're looking at those numbers and you see there's a giant drop, like we've got 20% add to cart, but only 5% reach checkout. Aha, now you know the issue happens between when they add to cart and when they reach checkout. Or you know, you've got 10% reach checkout, but only 1% actually purchase. Okay, now we know the issue is somewhere in the checkout process. So looking at those stages, that's where you, you want to start. And some common issues are, like at least in the Shopify world, people will spend all this effort on the front end of the site. They'll buy, spend $300 on a theme and thousands getting it set up and you know $700 on getting a logo designed. And then no one ever bothers to set, like style the checkout. It's just a like a white tip page with black text. It doesn't match. Oh my gosh, what... What a tragic mistake. And that's on huge brands I've, I've seen do this. So having, keeping some, some continuity branding wise between your, uh, the site itself and the checkout process is a good idea. Often that's a, a common mistake I see people make. Um, but no, no, you want to use your numbers. Don't go with your gut. Um, go look at your, 
your analytics, your key performance indicators, like that conversion funnel, and figure out where the drop-off is. Where is the bottleneck? And actually, that mentality works for the entire thing. Um, I would say, look at your, your KPIs if you're trying to optimize your revenue and figure out, concentrate on a single one per month. So it could be, you know, our average order value is low or our, cust- our return customer rate is low. Moving any of the, um, or our conversion rate doesn't feel right, but like specifically, which part of it? Completed purchase, reach checkout, add to cart. Pick one single KPI, one single number, and say, all right, we're going to work on improving that over the next 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, you say, did we improve it? Yes or no? No? Okay, we got to keep working at it. And don't work at anything else. If yes, all right, let's move on to the next lowest number. And go through that until you have gone through all of them. And then you start back over with, all right, which one is the lowest now? And that process will help you focus. It will um, it'll help you focus. It will help you make more pragmatic decisions. It will help you grow your business and make money. Because all of those things really are conversion levers, they're profit levers. Like you can have the exact same conversion rate, the exact same um, average order value and the exact same traffic. But if you can increase the return customer rate, if we go from say 20% to 40%, oh my gosh, that is a huge increase in your, in money in your pocket, just from getting, you know, investing in getting customers to come back to the store and buy a second time. Yeah, that's so true. And you were mentioning then a second ago about from add to cart to people that actually purchase. I wanted to ask you what you're, what you're seeing when it comes to um, payment types. So what sort of payments people are adding? Because I do hear from a lot of my clients saying that they don't like to add PayPal because they're scared that PayPal's not going to give them the money, blah, blah, blah. There's all this sort of talk about PayPal being a problem. So what payment methods do you think work best or do you see a difference when it comes to adding to cart and purchases when it comes to payment methods? So most of the time I tell people, listen, you want to avoid paralysis analysis and limit the number of decisions people have to make. Like um, an example would be if I add to cart, oftentimes the thing sits on the cart on the product page. Screw that. I could send you directly to the cart. I could go a step further, send you straight to checkout. Now I've skipped over several steps. Ah, the one place I don't want to do that is payments. Every, um, I say you want to test your payments. You want to give people an abundance of payments because this is where it gets weird. Like, let's say uh, you are, you're walking in a parking lot, dude pops his trunk, goes, Hey, you want to buy some t-shirts? Give me your credit card. That's not going to work out. But your website is very much the same thing. Anyone can spend $30 a month on Shopify, get a free theme, put up a store and start asking for people's credit cards versus when I go into a physical store. Oh my gosh. I know leases were signed. There's probably insurance, liability insurance somewhere. They've got a business license. Your website is not the same thing. People are not comfortable just handing over their credit card. So this is where you want to make it as easy as possible for them by giving them the payment method you're comfortable with. So regardless of what your opinion is on how people should pay in your store, offer, like, yes, accept credit cards, absolutely. But uh, also offer PayPal, offer Amazon Pay. Um, I think those those two alternative payment methods are great. Offer a financing option, especially if your viewers, if your customers skew younger, like um, you know, eighteen to thirty-five. Let's say they're they're millennials, like myself. Uh, often mo- there's this stigma that oh, millennials don't use credit cards. They they don't believe in it. No, it's because they can't get credit. 
right? That's the struggle. It's very tough early on to get credit. Um, so offering a finance sh- option on your site can be tremendous. We'll often see like uh, some example, like Klarna, Zip, Afterpay, Bread, Sezzle, and all of those are, are financing options. We'll see 20% usage rates. So, okay, we've got our um, the advantage to PayPal and Amazon Pay. The customer knows it's safe. They know that you never see their credit card number and it saves me a whole bunch of input. I don't want to type in my credit card, my address and all that nonsense. They pass the stuff through. Maybe I don't have a credit card and I need financing. Offer them a financing option. And then lastly, um, if you can or if you're in Shopify and you're using Shopify payments, enable accelerated checkouts. Um, so it, sto- it offers them the option to store the info and they could pay with Apple Pay. I love this. And you could take it a step further with um, Shopify's dynamic checkout buttons. So here's an interesting, uh, last year, Amazon had a patent on buy now buttons expire. This is nuts. They actually patented the concept of a buy now button. Um, so Shopify was able to add buy now buttons uh, early this year, or late last year. Um, and in doing so, it's the coolest thing. It makes impulse purchase easier. Because what happens, I'm buying, I'm buying something silly. I'm buying a stupid t-shirt, buying a Star Wars t-shirt, something like that. And along the way, like, as I'm going through the process, each time I have got another step to take in the checkout, that's an opportunity for me to second guess that purchase, for me to feel guilty about my budget and go, you know what, why don't I not spend that 20 bucks here? Whereas if you could make it really, really easy, it gets much harder to second guess yourself. Um, the, so my perfect example is I was on a Shopify store, zerofoxtrot.com. They had a Star Wars, this cool Star Wars Rebel t-shirt that I thought was the coolest thing. It's out of stock. So I said, I signed up for out-of-stock notifications. Well, I get a couple of weeks later, I get an email, hey, this is back in stock. I'm sitting on the couch on like a Friday night. I click the link, sends me to the product page. I see the buy now button. So now all I've done, I've opened the email, I've clicked one link. Now I see a buy now button. I click buy now. Boom, I've only made two clicks here. I'm on my iPhone. Fuck it. The Apple Pay window pops open and all I had to do to purchase it, it's got my address in there, my credit card, is press my thumb on it. Press my thumb on it, done. Three actions is all I had to take. I have now purchased this item. It took me literally eight seconds, start to finish, to buy this shirt. And that is the advantage, like, which is going to have a higher conversion rate? The eight-second purchase process or going through a full checkout, which generally take, um, depending on the person, like someone competent moving quickly with a keyboard, it's still 60 seconds. It's still six times as long or more. So making it super fast and easy, even if you're like, I don't like PayPal, fine, you don't like PayPal, but you don't want people to have those opportunities to be like, you know what, this just isn't worth the effort for a t-shirt and give up. Yeah, it's really interesting how quick it has become over the last couple of years. You know, I had my first e-commerce store back in 2007 and just trying to set that up was absolutely crazy. I had a 30 page document that I had to fill in to get a credit card system. (laughs) It was maybe it was just in Australia, but that was the only way you could have any sort of credit card payment system. And the options now people are crazy if they're not making the most of all the different options that are out there, because you might have a buyer who wants to use a particular way of making a payment. So why not give it to them? And like you said, the buy now eight seconds, hello, what a fast way to make a payment and what a fast way to get a purchase. Oh, it's so cool. And it even, it, you know, I should be sensitive to these things, but it even works on me. Where yeah. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to buy because it's just too easy not to. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, and so the only pushback people have is, oh, it's cluttered and it looks bad. All right, give up. I, we, again, design not as important as we think. Just need mm-hmm. easy is better than pretty. Um, and having multiple payment options is easy. 
but that, that Shopify feature, the dynamic checkout buttons, what's clever about it is on the product page, it, it's a buy now button, but it chooses on its own. There's no settings for it. It chooses the most likely fastest option. So it looks at like the device they're on. So whether it's iPhone or Android, it'll show Apple Pay versus Google Pay. Or if those aren't available, it'll go to PayPal. And if those aren't available, then it'll go to like a, a shorter, faster form version that asks for the credit card. Yeah, it makes life so much easier. So mobiles have really become the you know thing of the future. And I, you know, five years ago, we weren't even talking about mobile devices, but we are now in a very big way. So how do you see that CRO has evolved in the you know last six months to a year and how it's moving forward? Well, with... Uh... Number one, it's mobile first. So it's easy to work on a site on your desktop and it needs to look right on your desktop. Um, As often, that's where the purchase gets made. But a lot of the research, the couch surfing will happen from the phone. So like you'll be sitting on the couch, think of something, you pull your phone out, you go look your thing up. um, And then oftentimes as a reminder, like I'll start the checkout and then just to see if I'll get um, an abandoned cart reminder. So I could go then type in my credit card on the, the desktop. But what we're seeing is about 80% of visitors in a stand, just a typical store are going to be on mobile. And depending on uh, the vertical, it can skew to 90% or higher. And part of this could be your marketing. It could be your audience. Like younger audiences are going to be more mobile. A lot of international audiences uh, start with mobile. Um, and like, let's say you do Instagram marketing primarily. Well, Instagram on a desktop sucks. So it's, you're going to get a lot more mobile traffic. So your site has to work really, really well on mobile. And that means like, there's not a lot of screen, two issues hamper you there. Screen real estate isn't great. Input is not great. It's tougher to type on a keyboard uh, or on a mobile keyboard. And the connection's not as good and the devices aren't as fast. So even if I'm, you know, you're, you're some lucky affluent American, you've got an iPhone 10 and a super nice LTE network, uh-huh, right up at, that's great, until I'm on the subway, until I'm on the train, until I'm in a stone building, where now I've, my connection has dropped to 3G, your site better be fast. So one of the easiest ways to optimize, if we know, mo- you know four to five people are on a mobile phone, just make the site faster, we'll make it easier to use. And one of the easiest way to make it faster, especially in Shopify, is get rid of all those old apps you don't use anymore, or use a theme that's built for, that has, um, some image loading affordances like out of the sandbox turbo is one of my favorites. But yeah, I mean, that's, if you don't know what else to do, just try making it faster. Oh my gosh, that can have a big, big effect on it and make it like, as soon as you land on the page, have a clear call to action. Like, you know what your bestseller is, have that be the hero image. Have there be a giant, like get your bag, uh, whatever, and send them straight from the homepage straight to that bestselling product page or a collection of bestsellers. Make it easy for them. Try this one. If you want to see, you really want to tear your hair out. You got to practice your, your self-control. Ask someone to uh, let you shoulder surf as they buy a product from your store on their phone. And it is maddening when, to watch someone else use your store and see them struggle with stuff and take note of that stuff and then, then go fix that. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of store owners, what I find over the last, you know, 10 years is that they'll turn around and say, oh, but my, I asked my neighbor and they really like it or my mom really <laughs> likes it. And it's like, I don't care what those people are saying. It's like you said, get someone to just do it in front of you and just look over their shoulder. And then you can see exactly where they're going wrong because they're, they're going to tell you something nice just to be nice, but you can actually see the mistakes that are happening if you actually watch them do it. And a lot of it is just about 
adding clarity. So stripping away stuff that is unnecessary or confusing, you know, move. There's like, I always see so many links in the header, like in the main menu, there's just so many links and they always start with home. All right, we don't need that. Get rid of that. They click on the logo to go home or they can click back. And then it's like about rewards, loyalty, wholesale, dealers, contact, like just goes on and on and on. And then the actual shopping part just lives in a dropdown called shop. Well, that's not obvious at all. All that other stuff should go in a secondary menu in your main menu. You know that drop down that you get that says shop drop down. Break all that stuff out. Make your main menu exclusively about getting people to products. And a one I like if you've got too many products or you make it confusing, I like making the first link start here. You don't know what to do? Start here. Click it and then you know give people like some kind of guy a page that just it says, all right, here's like, welcome. Here's what you need to know. Here's the five things you need to know. Here's our top five bestsellers. That's where to start. Go. Um, so just making it, you just want to make it brain dead simple to know what the next step is. Every single page has a job. The homepage is the job is to get them to the be- the product that it's for them. The product page, its job is to get them to click add to cart. The cart's job is to get them to check out and on and on. So then it, using that that ideology, if you're looking at the layout of a page, you can ask yourself, does this, for every single element, does this element help or hurt the page's job? And that that can be another way to look at it that can help. Yeah, that's really good advice. And it's so true how many people have got their menu not set up correctly or even just male and female at the top if you're selling male male products and female products, just breaking that up. I was looking at a um, store the other day and they sell sunglasses and I couldn't work out which are the male and which are the female. And I realized that it was sort of all mixed in and it does make it oh, hard. No. Yeah. Let people self-select, let them turn it into a choose your own adventure and don't limit it. Like there could be more than one way you can have multiple paths on a main menu to the same collections mm-hmm. because people will shop different ways. So in a clothing store, it could be like, all right, shop men, shop women's or, like you've got that one that shop by type and then shop, uh, shop clearance, shop new. And the same product is going to exist in many of those overlapping collections. And merchants seem to have this idea that like, well, I can't link to the same thing twice in two different ways. Mm. Of course you can, because not everyone shops the way you do. They shop different ways. So you want in that main menu, all inroads to lead to products and have multiple. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, no, great advice. So what are specific design mistakes that you see merchants making when it comes to their store? We spoke about, you know, that you don't have to worry about the design being too nice, but what are some specific design mistakes you're seeing? This one I see a lot. I land on the site and in the upper left corner, the very first thing are social icons. Yes, reminders of these networks that are literally designed with the input of psychologists to be addictive. They are the this century's digital crack and here you have put them as the very first thing people read in an f pattern left to right top to bottom so have it whatever you put in that top left corner that's the first thing people are going to see so it breaks my heart when i see anything other than your logo with a tagline so there's the second one people have a logo and it's just a logo they don't put a tagline in it and actually truthfully my own agency site does not do this but um a three to five word tagline under the logo, every single person who lands on the site will look at the logo. So helping to orient them and explain to them what the site is for so they can go, this is right for me, and then not click the back button. Because you have seconds for them before they're going to decide whether or not to click the back button when they land on the site. Just sticking a three to five word tagline under your logo, really easy way to achieve that. Um, so two common mistakes. Uh, 
making home the first link in a main menu drives me nuts. Um, having hiding all of your products and stuff under a drop down called shop is uh, drives me crazy. Um, and then I'll see they'll have a big hero image. It's like okay, and then it's a carousel slider. Oh my gosh, there's five images in this carousel slider. 89% of people will only ever see the first slide. And the rest of the stuff is just chewing up download time as people desperately try and load this phone on the, load your site on the subway. Um, so just have a single image for your best-selling product or collection or piece of content as the, the hero image can be a tremendous help. Um, and then having a clear positioning statement. Again, like to have clarity. Don't be clever. Clarity over clever. Uh, and have a positioning statement that explains what the site, what pain problem or whatever the site solves or improves and then who it's for. Fantastic. Yeah. I love that advice. Fantastic. I think you're really big on making sites load fast, which a lot of people don't think about when they're setting up their Shopify store for the first time, even though Shopify is a great platform for speed, but there's still a few things that people need to consider. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And really the thing that trips people up is, is image formatting. Like they'll save, um, they'll save images too large. Whereas like in the theme, it'll tell you the exact resolution to use. So follow that. And they'll save stuff as pings. Oh my gosh, a ping can be like 10, 20 times larger than a JPEG. So here's the easy rule of thumb to remember this. JPEGs for photos. Like you can certainly remember that you use photos for uh, JPEGs for photos. Cause that's what, you know, you use for Facebook everywhere else. And you only use a ping. It's called portable network graphics. Use a ping if it's text. So your logo or it's got needs of transparency. Don't use it for photos because that is the, that really that's the number one cause of bloated websites um, within Shopify. And then number two is, um, and don't be afraid to use compression, man. Really like in Photoshop for JPEGs, do 60% quality. Guaranteed if I save a 60% image and a 100% image side by side, you never know the difference. Um, and then the, uh, the second cause of, of bloated sites is too many apps. So here's, I have three Shopify apps, so I, I've learned this the hard way. When someone uninstalls an app to prevent malicious acts by the developer, the first thing Shopify does when you click uninstall is sever the app's connection to the store. So there is no way, they call it uninstall, it really doesn't do anything of the sort. Um, it, uh, it terminates the connection, and that's it. Doing, um, so all the code, everything that got put into the theme, it's still there. So you want to be careful about just installing themes willy nilly, make backups of your theme, use a backup service like rewind. And that can help you get rid of all this janky excess code um, that over time, it's just like barnacles to a ship. It'll weigh it down. Yeah, that's great advice. I think that a lot of people have realized that the hard way about the Shopify apps that they can't get rid of the, um, the code afterwards, but yeah, great advice because it is important that people delete that properly. And what you could do is like reach out to the the developer and say, "Hey, I used your app. I don't use. I don't need it anymore. I installed it. Can you go uh, remove the code for me?" Like that's any decent app developer should be able to do that. Um, we do that for people when they ask, um, and we automatically send them instructions. Here's how to do it yourself. And if you can't figure it out, just tell us uh, because it's important. And you said earlier, you said, "Hey." You've, uh, you have a clear focus on things need to be fast. Well, fast in two ways. Fast in that uh, it's quick to load on, the, on your whatever device you have first. Okay, of course we want that because if it doesn't load, they can't use it. 
But number two, fast to orient people, fast to get them to the product they want, fast to let them to buy it. Just do everything quick, 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 as quick as possible. No one is ever going to complain that a service is too quick, right? It's like, oh man, I went to McDonald's <laughs> and they got my order to me like in two minutes. No, no one's going to complain about that. Yeah, that's so true. So are there any companies that you're seeing out there, any companies or brands that you pay attention to that are getting it right when it comes to CRO? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, so number one, uh, and I mentioned, I alluded to this or stated it early, uh, at the top of the show, was the big brands in your vertical and the big brands in general in e-commerce like Amazon, Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Jet, all of those those are, they're setting the standard. They're teaching us how to shop. They're teaching us what to expect. So um, following their direction and following um, your, like the big players, not necessarily your competitors, but the big players in your vertical, not copying them, but, you know, following the convention and standards they set forth, um, that, that could be a big boon because then when people land on your site, the chances are they already know how to use it. So I would say like, as far as paying attention to things, pay attention to those. Um, but in general, good examples, I will periodically just walk through making a purchase from uh, chewy.com. They're the pet store. They often, I've noticed they experiment. They do a lot of clever stuff. So I like uh, chewy um, the revamped Walmart site. I just, uh, is tremendous. It's responsible for, and I think some crazy, like a 40% increase in growth. Um, so I, that's got some, some very good, uh, CRO stuff in there. Amazon, of course, but some specific Shopify stores I have been playing with that do tremendous things. Um, Keysmart, getkeysmart.com. Oh, yeah, I know the, yeah, we've worked with them. Um, and the, the marketing manager there has been on my show, Andy Bedell, and they just do tremendous things in terms of, of marketing and usability and branding. I love that site, getkeysmart.com. I would check that out as like a gold standard of the things you can achieve with Shopify. Um, and if you, you know, but they've got uh, big budget, big access. Um, two other brands I like a lot uh, that are uh, smaller, that are, you know, uh, one or two man shows with a, some assistance would be uh, tacticalbabygear.com. It's really clever in terms of branding and positioning um, and storytelling uh, and objection, but just wonderful, wonderful brand uh, run by a great guy and recycledfirefighter.com. It's Jake Starr. Uh, that one is very clever with um, storytelling and original products. And they've got, I set up both of those themes, but with their direction and they do some, some great stuff. Fantastic. I'll put that in the show notes. So everyone listening, you can go to justaskparker.com slash podcast and head over there and I'll put all of these notes in there for you because there's quite a few websites that you've mentioned there that I'm sure people want to know about. And you also mentioned earlier out of the sandbox turbo, the app, which I'll put a link in there as well for people if they want to get that app. But before we finish up, what I want to know from you, Kurt, is what's next for you? You've got so much going on, but what's next? <laughs> Good question. Uh, we are going to we're going to run another meetup. Um, couple last week we rented out an abandoned department store, a Lord and Taylor, and uh, our office is located in a mall. We rented out an abandoned department store. We held a, a meetup. It was the coolest thing. We even used the empty makeup counters. Um, uh, the guys from Can You Handlebar, they sell beard oil, set up like a little pop-up counter in there to give away samples. Um, it was a ton of fun. We're going to do another one in January. So if you check out um, my new, sign up for my newsletter, you won't miss out 
on it or eatercycle.com slash meetup. That's we're going to do mid-January in Chicagoland. We will do another, another meetup for Shopify merchants. Okay. Gives me a good excuse to head over to Chicago by January. So maybe I'll head over as well. <laughs> Please do. It, bring, bring a parka. <laughs> Chicago January is a bit cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in Amsterdam, so I know exactly what that's like being cold. Being from Melbourne in Australia, the winters are, you know, we get a lot more sunshine down in Melbourne. So I'm getting used to these sort of winters now. I, I enjoy them. I like the change. The air is crisp. And then by March, I'm completely sick of it. But January, I still like it. So wonderful. So Kurt, thank you so much. Where can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you and remind us what the podcast is so how they can find that as well? Sure. Check out the unofficial Shopify podcast. Search for that in iTunes or uh, unofficialshopfypodcast.com. And to get in touch with me, Google me, search Kurt Elster, head to my website, kurtelster.com. Just a giant landing page to get your email address. Sign up for it. You'll get uh, weekly updates from me with, with free advice and resources. And if you reply to one of those, it goes to my real email, not a VA, not someone else to me. If you send me a thoughtful question, I will send you a thoughtful answer. Wonderful. That's great. Kurt, thank you so much. You've given everyone so much great advice. And once again, for everyone, go to the show notes if you want to get the links and those websites from there. But thank you so much for being here, Kurt. It has been wonderful having you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash winning with Shopify and get our show notes at justaskparker.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And as a listener, get 20% off at justaskparker.com by using the code podcast.